So have you ever wrestled with a tree stump that was probably in your lawn, someplace in your lawn, and you wanted it removed? And have you dealt with the difficulty and the frustration of trying to uproot that tree stump? Cut down the tree, but before long, it shoots again. Now, a man fathered eight sons, eight sons. And to the youngest of them, he gave the chore, the responsibility of caring for his family's sheep. The nation's king was about to be dethroned because he had been disobedient to God. And so God sent a prophet to the man's house with a flask of oil to pour that oil over the one that he would choose to become king. When the prophet saw the first son, tall and handsome as he was, he thought within himself, surely this is the one that God would have to become king. But God said to him, no, he's not the one, because you are looking only at the outward appearance while God is looking at the heart. And so after six more of the man's sons had posed or paraded themselves before the prophet, um, and each one was, in fact, rejected. The prophet asked, do you have at least another son? To which the man responded, I have one more son, but he's out caring for the sheep. Well, send for him, because none of us will sit down to supper until I anoint him to be the king of Israel. Now, today's text is about how God chose the least of Jesse's sons to become the greatest king of Israel, and how he gave a prophecy concerning a shoot that will come forth from Jesse's stump. Our text is Isaiah chapter 11. I'm going to read the first 11 verses for us, which speak about this shoot that will come forth from the stump of Jesse. God himself speaking through Isaiah the prophet. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall be a fruit. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see, or decide disputes by what his ears hear, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor, and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist, and faithfulness the belt of his loins. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat, and the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, the young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like an ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord, as the waters cover the sea. In that day, 
the root of Jesse, who shall stand as a signal for the peoples. Of him shall the nations inquire, and his resting place shall be glorious. In that day the Lord will extend his hand yet a second time to recover the remnant that remains of his people from Assyria, from Egypt, from Pethros, from Cush, from Elam, from Shinar, from Hamath, and from the coastlands of the sea. He will raise a signal for the nations and will assemble the banished of Israel and gather the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. Now today's message will highlight three things about this shoot that God says would come from the stump of Jesse. First of all, he will be no ordinary shoot. This shoot would be unlike any other shoot. In fact, this shoot will not be an it, but a he. The shoot would be someone born in the lineage of David, who was, in fact, from the stump of Jesse, from the family of Jesse. This shoot, God says, would become the son of God himself. Now, you're saying to yourself, you lost me there. You lost me in how a shoot could actually be a person, much less the very son of God. Now, the answer to your query is in two impossible stories that occur in the New Testament. Now remember I said the word impossible. Impossible. Now the first is a story about an older woman, and the second is about a young girl who was a virgin. And what unites these two stories is that both women became pregnant within six months of each other. What made these stories impossible was that the first woman was already post-menopausal. That's a big word to say that she couldn't have children. She had, she had long passed the age where she could have children. And the second was a virgin who had never slept with a man. So these stories are both impossible. And what buttons up both stories is this word from an angel, which Luke records in his account. This is Luke's record of what the angel said. For nothing will be impossible with God. That is what connects both stories. Nothing will be impossible with God. Now, lest you just take my word for it, let me just read Luke chapter 1, where this account happens, reading at verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. That is important. From the stock of David, from the stump of David, if you will. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. 
he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. Now, there is a whole lot of truth in this passage. But if you take anything away from it, let it be this. That the words God and impossible cannot occur in the same sentence. Amen. <laughs> you can't use the words God and impossible in the same sentence unless you're talking about failing or sinning. Because nothing is impossible for God. Now these two sons that we uh, just read about, they were conceived in impossible situations. These two pregnancies defied every natural law imaginable. Because you see, a 60 or 70 or 80 year old woman does not become pregnant or else some of you would be in a lot of trouble this morning. <laughs> I was telling Lynn, Lynn and I have this kind of private joke together. There's a reason why God has us have our kids when we're young, not when we're old. <laughs> All right, so a postmenopausal woman does not become pregnant, or some of us, or some of you would be in trouble. Neither does a virgin become pregnant, or else some of you would also be in trouble this morning. But these two women became pregnant within six months of each other, and they gave birth to two sons. One became a messenger announcing the arrival of the Messiah that Israel had longed for, and the other was the Messiah himself, the son of David, the son of God, the savior of the world. And so he was no ordinary shoot. You see, the difference between ordinary and extraordinary is the Spirit of the Lord. And the Bible says that the Spirit of the Lord would rest upon him. Now, there are two passages of Scripture that better help us to understand what God was saying 800 years ago, I'm sorry, 800 years before the first Christmas. One of these Scriptures was prophetic. And the other scripture was the fulfillment of that prophecy. And so let's look first at the prophetic passage in Isaiah chapter 61 and verse 1, where God says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. And it goes on to say the various things that God had anointed him for. The Spirit of God resting upon him. Now, the full, now to the fulfillment of that prophecy 800 years later. We're on the banks of the Jordan River, and Jesus, this shoot from the stump of Jesse, is coming up out of the Jordan River, having just been baptized. 
And this is what is recorded of him. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. Now what links these two passages of Scripture together is that they both speak about the Spirit of God coming to rest upon this shoot from the stump of Jesse. And when he came to rest upon him, the result was that he was filled with the spirit of wisdom, understanding, and counsel. What that means is that he became perfect in knowledge and understanding. That's why we call him omniscient, because his knowledge and his understanding is perfect. It filled him with the spirit of might, meaning that he would become perfect in power. That's why we refer to him as being omnipotent. It filled him with the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, meaning that he would be the perfect way to God. You could not get to God, and you still can't get to God, but through him. And so he was no ordinary shoot. In fact, he was extraordinary. That's our first point. Our second point is that he will accomplish what ordinary leaders can't. Now, if you had been alive when God said this to Isaiah, the things that you, would, that you and your people longed for more than anything else were justice and peace. We sang a lot about peace this morning. Peace. You longed for that. You longed for a deliverer, somebody to come along, and deliver you and your people from the oppression of the Babylonians and the Assyrians. And so this would be your prayer to God if you lived back in those days. All that salvation for Israel would come out of Zion. In other words, God, would you please send a deliverer from Zion? All that the Lord would restore our fortunes so that Jacob might rejoice and Israel might be glad. That, is, that was your prayer. Because you longed for somebody to come along and de deliver you, you and your people from the oppression that they found themselves in. And so imagine how your heart would rejoice if you heard God say to you that he was sending a deliverer to do exactly that. To deliver you from oppression. To deliver you and your people. To send a judge who would judge fairly and impartially. And so even if you were too poor to hire an attorney or too meek to speak up in your own defense, you could have confidence in this judge because you knew that he would be fair. You knew that he would eliminate wickedness from the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the belt of righteousness that he wore around his, his waist, the belt of truth and faithfulness is what Isaiah tells us. Now, aren't these the same qualities that we long for in our leaders? Especially in our political leaders. Which is why election after election, we put our faith in a political messiah. 
hoping that he will be the one to make America work for everybody, the one to fix our economy, to bring fairness to our criminal justice system, to improve America's standing in the world. Election after election, that is what we do. We elect somebody who will be a messiah to deliver us, to help us. But election after election, we discover that our politicians are only ordinary people. They are not the Prince of Peace. They can't pull off what only the Prince of Peace can. Thank you. Politicians cannot create national or global peace because politicians are not the Prince of Peace. And so only the Prince of Peace can make to lie down together the wolf and the lamb. Imagine that. Wolves hunt lambs. But Isaiah says that when this shoot from the stump of Jesse comes, the wolf and the lamb would lie down together with, without hurting each other. Only the Prince of Peace can make the cow and the bear graze together and their calves and their cubs lie down together. Only the Prince of Peace can make a nursing child play over the hole of a cobra without getting bitten. Or an infant child put his hand on the rattlesnake's nest without being bitten. All of these obviously are metaphors that are speaking to the fact that the Prince of Peace, when he comes, will bring peace. And so only the Prince of Peace can bring internal peace, interpersonal peace, national peace, and global peace. But the prophet tells us that only when the earth is full of the knowledge of the glory of the Lord will we see an end to all the hurt the mass shootings, the political shenanigans, the anti-Semitism, the racial injustice. Only when the Prince of Peace is acknowledged for who he is will we, in fact, see peace. And so no politician, no political party, nobody can accomplish what only the Prince of Peace can, for the Spirit of the Lord will rest upon him, and when he rests upon him, he will be empowered to bring peace. Here's a third and final point, that the nations will inquire after him. Isaiah tells us that in that day, the root of Jesse, who shall stand as a signal for the people, of him shall the nations inquire. Now, I looked up the word, the meaning of the word inquire, and I realized that it means to ask about, to investigate, to consult, to seek after. And so we're told in this text that people and nations will inquire after this shoot. Everybody will be trying to figure out just who he is. What child is this? The wise men asked when they saw his star in the east and then traveled miles, hundreds of miles, 
to present to him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. We even have a hymn now by that same, the title of that same question, what child is this? What manner of man is this that even the winds and waves obey him? Others asked, after he had stilled storms with the words, peace, be still. No one ever spoke like this man. Soldiers marveled after they had been sent to arrest him, but they couldn't arrest him because they realized that he was teaching with such wisdom. And so when they went back to report to the authorities and they were asking him, why didn't you arrest this man? They responded, no one ever spoke like him. Who are you, Lord? Saul asked when he was knocked from his horse. There's something about the shoot that makes people inquire after him. Inquire after him. Isaiah tells us that he will stand as a signal for the people. And I looked up that word again, signal. It's a sign that points to something else. What sign is this, you might ask? What is it pointing to? This is a reference to the cross upon which the shoot from Jesse's stump would be crucified for the sins of all people, yours, mine, and for the people of Israel. The Jewish people had always looked for a sign pointing to the Messiah so that they could believe in him. They had always looked for a Messiah. They were scattered throughout the diaspora by persecutions and testings and trials, but they are still looking for the Messiah. But Isaiah is telling us that the cross would be the signal, the signal that Jews had always been looking for. And even as they are scattered throughout the diaspora, God would provide a signal for them, a sign that proved that the Messiah had come. This would be the second opportunity that God was giving them, a second chance, if you will, to acknowledge that Jesus Christ was the long-awaited Messiah. And then Isaiah tells us, God himself speaking through Isaiah says that God would gather them back to Israel from the four corners of the earth so that they might inquire after him. Let's hasten to the bottom line of our message then, which is this, that the Virgin Mary, the Virgin Mary's boy child, we have a, a carol by that, Mary's boy child, Jesus Christ, right? The Virgin Mary's boy child was, was the shoot from Jesse's stump. He's the one that we're talking about. He was no ordinary shoot. He was not just a shoot. He was the very son of God that came from Jesse's family. And so if these things are true, and they are, because they're God's words, and I'm not making them up, if they are true, there are three things that you absolutely must do in response to this message. Here's the first. Receive Jesus as your Messiah, the one who came to deliver you. Just as he came to deliver his people, so he came to deliver you personally from whatever has you bound. Now, we all need salvation, don't we? We all need to be saved from something. We put our faith in many different things, thinking that they will save us. I want to say to us this morning, don't look to politics. Don't look to religion. 
Don't look to relationships. Don't look to substances. Don't look to a career or money thinking that they will save you. They can't. Put your faith this morning in the only person who can save you. And this is what Acts chapter 4 and verse 12 says. It was written by a man who should know what he was talking about because he, in fact, put his faith in religion and in the law, thinking that it could save, they could save him. And this is what he concludes in verse 12 of Acts chapter 4. He says this, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to humankind by which we must be saved. You cannot be saved by anything else or anyone else but Jesus Christ. I wonder if I'm speaking to somebody here this morning in person or somebody viewing online. And you may have been trying different things, looking to different sources, hoping to find peace and salvation. The only name by which you can find that is Jesus. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I wonder if there's any person here this morning who realizes that they need to be saved. They need Jesus to free them from something that has them oppressed and trapped. If that is your case, may I just see your hand? May you just indicate to me that that is me? And I'll just pray for you. I see that hand. Is there anyone else? I see that hand as well. Thank you for raising your hand. I see a third. We'll just hold for a brief second to allow you the opportunity to identify yourself that way. Let us pray together. God, there are three persons here this morning who raised their hand indicating to you that they want to place their faith in Jesus Christ for deliverance and for salvation. God, we rejoice with these three persons and we pray that in this moment of quiet that you would cause clarity to come to their heart and mind about what it is that you're doing in this hour. We pray, God, that they will experience the reality of salvation, the reality of being delivered from sin, the reality of becoming a child of God. Would you confirm that in their spirits? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask the three of you to just pray this prayer after me as I pray. Lord Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you gave your life on a cross to save me from my sins. Today I put my faith and trust in you, and I receive your salvation. For it is in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Let's talk after you leave here today. Thank you so much for your obedience in that regard. I want to say secondly this morning that you must know him as your prince of peace. Know him as your prince of peace. Now just like all of us desire salvation, all of us desire peace as well. I'm sure that some of you long for harmony between you 
and your husband, you and your wife, you and your children, you and your neighbor, you and your coworker. I'm very sure that I'm speaking to somebody this morning who desires peace in someone, if, if not more, of these areas. Some of you are longing for national peace. Some of you want to see global peace happen. Like maybe longing to see the end of the war between Russia and Ukraine. I'm sure we are tired of that now and want to see that happen. We've been praying towards that end. But I believe this morning that some of you desire, even more than all of that, some of you desire and long for peace with the Prince of Peace. Peace with the Prince of Peace. I want to say to you this morning, open your heart to this peace. The peace which God gives that surpasses all understanding. Now, even some of us who already know the Prince of Peace still struggle in some area. Maybe there is guilt over something that happened long ago and you can't forgive yourself for that. Maybe there is an issue that you're very troubled about even now as we sit here today. Give that to the Prince of Peace. Allow him to give you his peace. Thirdly and finally, I want to challenge us this morning. Never cease to inquire after him. Never cease to inquire after him. Remember that we said that the word inquire means to seek after, to consult, to investigate. For King David that we talked about this morning, King David, the greatest king of Israel, for him, all of life could be reduced down to just one thing. And here's how he expresses that one thing in Psalm 27 and verse 4. He says this, One thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Here's my question to you this morning. Are you captivated by the beauty of the Lord? Really? Do you find yourself captivated? There's a song that says, I am captivated by your beauty. For some of us, we are captivated by the beauty of our spouse or girlfriend or boyfriend or fiance, whatever. Are you captivated by the beauty of the Lord? Are you inquiring after him in his temple? I want to say to us this morning that until your one thing is seeking after God himself, you are settling for, for way less than you should. David says, the one thing of my life is to seek after the beauty of the Lord, and to inquire in his temple. Let us pray together. God, you are the Prince of Peace. We long for you. We long to you, for you to reign in our hearts and in our lives, in our families, in our church, in our communities, in our state, in our nation, in our world. We long to see the earth filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. 
Lord, until then, we're going to experience strife and mass shootings and all kinds of injustice. But Lord, we look for the time when you will make all things new and all things right. We long for you, Lord, to bring peace within our hearts so that there's no longer any strife, no longer any doubt that you are reigning within our hearts. God, we ask your blessings upon us. May we continue to inquire after you and to be captivated by your beauty. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.